Welcome to Ian Cameron's Football Frenzy. We're back after a little hiatus. We're back to record a Super Bowl preview edition of the show. We had to do one last Football Frenzy show before the end of the season. It is the Super Bowl, of course, the National Football League, the biggest professional sports league in North America. Uh, over 100 million people for sure will be watching uh, the Super Bowl over the weekend. San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs will break it down. From a betting perspective, sides, totals, player props, you name it, coming up in just a bit. And I've got a very special guest joining me this time around, longtime friend of mine, CFL quarterback, currently with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, few other teams as well in the past. Trevor Harris helping me out here to preview this Super Bowl. Trevor, it is good to see you. How are you? I'm great, man. It's great to hear your voice. Great to see your face. You know, we text uh, quite often. And uh, yeah, it's good to be on here with you, man. No doubt. Now we'll get into the game in a bit, but first of all, you let's ask how trevor harris is doing how are things in the world of trevor a busy dad busy husband and busy trying to rehab from an injury that i certainly know uh everyone reached out to you i know with a well wishes and just gut wrenched for you i think not just me but a lot of people around the canadian football league when you suffered that injury last season but i know your work ethic to get back to as close to 100% as possible from that injury and coming back stronger than ever has really fueled you. Just talk about the comeback effort here uh, since that injury. Yeah, well, first, my family's doing great. I'm doing great. Um, you know, the the injury itself was a tough one. I uh, quote-unquote shattered my leg. I don't really love that term because it, when you shatter glass, it you know breaks in a million pieces. But if it's broken in three or more places, it's considered shattered. And I, I broke it in five places, four or five places, and – it was a pretty nasty one, and uh, I really lucked out with the way things were, the anatomy of the injury. Uh, they thought, you know, when they when I was on the field, they thought ACL, MCL, uh, leg break, and, you know, the meniscus, and they thought it was just basically completely blown out. And when we went in there, it was just meniscus. They were able to repair it, which the repair took, and uh, they were able to put the plates and screws in and get the break, uh, break, break all ready. And it's an eight- to ten-month recovery. We're uh, six and a half months, almost seven months now. But uh, I've been full go, no restrictions since month five, since right around Christmas. And so, um, you know, it, it gets just a little bit sore when I push it too much because it's still early in the process. But aside from that, like uh, it's just been one of those things that, um, you know, in this point in my career, a lot of times it can it can really, you know, knock somebody down and regular, really make you feel like that's a wrap. But it's really invigorated me. And uh, especially with, you know, the new regime coming in. Um, Corey Mace has just been an absolutely outstanding addition as a coach. I mean, I, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody say a negative thing about this guy. And, uh, he doesn't just like develop relationships and be all honky dory. He's, he rules well, uh, he, he rules the room, he commands respect, and he just does a great job of just really making you know that he's, he's really one of the guys and wants us to be great. And I couldn't be more excited going into a season. I don't know that I've been this driven uh, in an off season since, you know, I was in my mid twenties. And so uh, it's been very, very fun. That's awesome, man. I'm so happy for you. Uh, and I'm excited to see you back on the field this season in the uh, CFL. Speaking of CFL, and we will turn the page after this to the Super Bowl, but it's the hub of, of activity right now, the Canadian Football League. I mean, we got wheeling and dealing and we got signings left and right because we're right in the middle of free agency right now uh, in the CFL. And I know you're excited about uh, some of these uh, moves that your team's making. My Cats have been active uh, bringing in some pieces to shore up the defense. Uh, I think when it comes to your team, now you can let me say this, not you, uh, because you, you play for them, but I'll say it for you. Your offensive line the last two years has stunk, in my opinion, especially two years ago. Uh, I thought it was really, really unfortunate to see that uh, group uh, struggle the way they did. I mean, poor Fajardo was getting just crushed a couple of years ago by, by, with that O-line and just such shambles. Now, I do think they took steps forward last year, Trevor, uh, but still that's a unit that had to be upgraded. You know, if you're going to have that offense perform at the level that ultimately you and I'm sure all your offensive teammates hope. And I like the trajectory of where you're going on that side of the ball, specifically with the O-line. And I love, love, love that you guys got A.J. Olette. That man is a terror to try to tackle in the open field. That guy is a, a break, a break contact and keep going type of running back. You know, very, very difficult on first contact to bring that guy down to the turf. Uh, he is just a physical, strong, tough, and he's got underrated speed and hops, this guy. Don't be fooled. He can fly if he's got that room 
to make things happen in the open field, running the football. So there's some exciting times coming there in Saskatchewan. We know that fan base is just crazed over the mm. Rough Riders. So you got to be excited. Uh, I couldn't be more thrilled to be completely honest. It's uh it's one of those things where I was heavily involved, you know, uh, getting getting Olet in town, um, and then working with working on Jamarcus Hardrick as well. And we feel really, really good about our interior guys. You know, you've got Peter Godber, you've got Logan Furland, you've got uh, Phil Blake, and you know, we've got some guys up front that can really push people around, be physical. And now we have a running back that is, you know, JMO was absolutely amazing, so shifty, so difficult to defend in open space, and you know, as a runner, is so slashy. But, you know, AJ's a different element in terms of bringing downhill physicality uh, in terms of what his game is. And so, you know, that's going to allow us to, you know, really run the ball, get our run pass option game going, be able to play action people and keep teams honest, keep them, you know, they can have six in the box and allow us to really uh, stretch the field horizontally and on those second levels. And now we can really mess with safety plays when they're trying to cut over routes or try and get in the box to help out the run game. And so, uh, it's going to add a new dimension to what we're doing on top of Coach Mueller uh, coming over, uh, bringing his system and meshing some things that we've done that I've done in the past that I've really enjoyed that I think that could be good for us. And so he's been amazing to work with as well. And I think if you're a Ryder fan, it's time to get excited about uh, football. Oh, sorry, I was muted. Yeah, that is the message right there. Get out there and support the team. Okay, I know, you know, it didn't end well last year. There was some apathy with the fan base. I saw some empty seats there at the end of the season there in Ryderville and Regina. Let's time. Let's fix that shit. All right, let's go. Get the tickets, get out there uh, and support Trevor and his Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who I do think, yeah, going to have get a Get your seats season. before they yeah. fill up and you can't yeah. get them. Exactly, because you know if that if you're going to have a red-hot season here and you're going to have a bounce-back season, they'll quickly jump right back on and be right there with you every step of the way. That is, They love their CFL football uh, yeah. out there. Uh, in that, that stadium location, too, reminds me of the Buffalo Stadium where the Bills yeah. play. It's right in the yeah, middle of nowhere. There's a bunch of tailgate parties going on, a bunch of psychos yeah. uh, just whooping it up, getting ready for a rider game, kind of like in Buffalo. I don't think they put guys, people through tables, though, in Saskatchewan. I don't think they're at that no, point. But yet. I think we need to start something, you know, like some maybe smashing watermelons or something, you know, yeah. like something needs to be done when we coach a playoff berth. Yeah, there's no doubt. The watermelon heads, though, are, are out in full force. That's about the closest thing there, yeah. To, uh, but, yeah, we're not at the breaking tables thing yet like uh, Buffalo. But <laughs> Just some overall thoughts, uh, Trevor, as we talk Super Bowl now. 49ers and Chiefs. Just some overall thoughts on this game. Nothing specific, but what excites you the most about being able to see the 49ers and Chiefs go head-to-head on Sunday? I'll tell you, a matchup I'm really looking forward to is Kyle Shanahan calling plays against uh, Steve Spagnolo. Uh, the Chiefs have been really the strength of that D, uh, team, team this year through the most part, and Mahomes has just been out of this world in the playoffs, as you'd expect. Um, but Kyle Shanahan does such a tremendous job when you cut the tape on of splitting out Kyle Juszczyk, of putting Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Kyle Juszczyk to one side of the field, all not in the backfield, and Debo Samuels, the running back. He's he's finding new ways to make defenses uncomfortable and get them out of their comfort zone. He does so many things, you know, using uh, use check as the queen on the chessboard. He'll, he'll change to McCaffrey being that. And he's putting Debo Samuel tailback. He's doing all these sorts of things. And he does such a good job of mixing things up when he does that and using the play action game, getting uh, Brandon Ayuk involved on, you know, in breakers, second level in cutters. And, you know, he just does such a good job of moving defenses and manipulating them into things that they're not comfortable with. And, you know, with Spagnolo, he's done such a good job of putting Chris Jones into situations where he can get that one-on-one pass rush. And, uh, you know, I know Chris Jones is very motivated, too, because he's, you know, on his contract year, he's going to want to re-up and get himself a great deal. And he's done a tremendous job this year. And then that's not even talking about the other side of the football, where you have a motivated 49ers defense that's been called out over the past uh, week over their effort and how poor they have been. And, you know, you've got Mahomes playing against them, against a motivated bunch. And so um, I've, I've got some good opinions on who I think would win and why. Um, but it's been really, really an interesting thing uh, to, to see come develop as the year has gone on, to see who was going to make it here. And now we have our matchup. No doubt. And for me, this NFL season started out pretty wretched. Uh, quite honestly, with my results. I mean, it was just not seeing things clearly, Trevor, to be quite honest with you, September and early October. Uh, but like in football, you make your adjustments. Uh, you get a few more reps under your belt. 
make the football analogy, right? And all of a sudden, you know, you start to get things together. And really the second half of the season, man, it was just a lot better uh, for me. It was uh, That's when things turned around. Now we're in profit uh, on the season so far uh, in the NFL. I'm looking to finish strong here with uh, this uh, Super Bowl. As you see on the screen, current line has San Francisco two-point favorites here. Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas, Nevada, where this game will be, of course. Total 47 and a half uh, here in this one. So my first thought here is let's just talk, you know, we'll talk matchups and X's and O's and Trevor's obviously a good person to do that with, having played the game himself. But I will start with just this point spread <clears throat> where it is right now. If you would have told me week one, hell, if you would have told me like mid-October when the San Francisco 49ers were the hottest things in sliced bread in the National Football League and they were just ripping off one extremely impressive performance after another, just destroying the Dallas Cowboys on a Sunday night game uh, during the regular season. Trevor, if you would have said to me mid-October, San Francisco was going to be a two-point favorite on a neutral field over the Kansas City Chiefs, I would have said I'd like San Francisco in this game, 100%, because we were starting to worry at that time, you know, what's wrong with the Chiefs? You know, what's wrong with the offense in particular? Because really for the majority of the regular season, we saw Kansas City offense look off kilter, you know, a little bit out of sync. Uh, throughout the course of the year. The O-line play was kind of up and down. Uh, More importantly, the receiving core has been much talked about as a big issue. Drop passes early in the year from Kadarius Toney. Drop passes earlier in the year from MVS, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, among others. And as you know, playing the quarterback position, you know, you need your receivers to make the plays that are there to be made. You know, obviously when the ball is there, it's an accurate throw. Because the quarterback's not going to make an accurate throw all the time, obviously. But when the, the the throw is there to be made and your receiver nine times out of ten is going to make that catch and it's more of a routine play, you got to make it. And that was the issue, Trevor, with Kansas City mm-hmm. early in the season. They weren't making enough of those routine plays at the wide receiver position. I think it kind of got in their head and it kind of got in the head a little bit of even Andy Reid and the offensive coaching staff there. Uh, with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, Matt Nagy is back there uh, as the offensive coordinator again, which he had before he got the Bears head coaching job, you know, many years ago. But yeah, there was that was a factor. And to be quite honest with you, it was probably a subpar seat by his standards. Was it a terrible season overall? No, but for Travis Kelsey's uh, standards, you know, it wasn't the best of seasons. It was very uneven, uh, his performance. So if you base it out on where these teams were in October, and really, if you look at their full season statistics, offense and defense, and their full season record, you probably could still make a strong case that, hey, it's pretty cheap here to be able to bet San Francisco minus two uh, against Kansas City in this game. But here's the issue with that thought process for me going into this game, Trevor. If you whittle this down to the shorter term and what we have seen in the postseason and really from the end of December with these two teams, really from Christmas Day onward, actually post-Christmas Day. Actually, you can include Christmas Day because that was the day that the Niners got absolutely throttled, ambushed by the Baltimore Ravens You know, at home on Christmas night. I think everybody was stunned to see that because San Francisco had been played so well all season, especially in the big games and especially at home. And here's Baltimore basically running the ball down their throat, throwing it against them, and... To be honest, the offense and Brock Purdy couldn't get things going consistently in that game. So they didn't have a good game. They got bombed by Baltimore. They kind of looked up and down in their next couple games to end the regular season as well. And then in the playoff games, at home against Green Bay, at home against Detroit, a play here and a play there, Trevor, and they're not even in this Super Bowl right now. And again, a, a situation where we saw the defense. All I heard was Nick Bosa in the pass rush much of the season. I didn't see it consistently in the Packer and the Lion game. You know, you're talking about a secondary that was beaten badly at times by both Jordan Love and Jared Goff uh, in the passing game in those two narrow wins. And all of a sudden, you're starting to see these holes starting to spring uh, in San Francisco at home against what well, you thought they were a decent amount better than Green Bay. I think Detroit's a very good team, but you still really thought they could control the line of scrimmage in both games. They really did not. I mean, Detroit's running game with Gibbs and Montgomery, they were outstanding. Goff made the plays down the field in the passing game. And you could say a play here and a play there. The Gibbs turnover was costly. Dan Campbell's decision to, you know, askew three points 
on multiple occasions and go for it on fourth down. That's been talked about, Trevor, as you know. <laughs> it's been talked about quite a bit. But at the, same, at the end of the day, too, there was one of those fourth downs. Josh Reynolds got to make the catch because yeah. it was right there in his hands. So you could say all you want, oh, bad game management by Danny. But at the same point in time, you know, Josh Reynolds' catch was there to be made. Bottom line is they escaped with two subpar performances to get here. And then you look at Kansas City's road here. They had to play in the frigid, frozen tundra cold of Kansas City against a Miami team that, okay, Miami on the road against good teams has struggled, but a pretty good team that you still beat in the Dolphins. You go to Buffalo, a tough environment, Bill's team that was just dying to beat this Chiefs team in the playoffs finally. And Kansas City goes in there and moves the football at will, albeit Bills had some key injuries on defense. I get all of that, but you still have to give Mahomes and the Chiefs. That was the best offensive performance Kansas City had all season, in my opinion, that game against Buffalo. They look like the old Chiefs, explosive, balanced, running the ball, throwing it to Kelsey, throwing it to Rashi Rice, who's really emerged this year. And then the Baltimore game, you know, they set the tone early, Trevor. They set the tone early in that game. They went back-to-back, two touchdown drives and two drives to open the game on offense yeah the offense sputtered after halftime but they relied on their defense and to me this has been the best Kansas City defense really all year that they've had in the Mahomes era in my opinion and it's been the defense that's really carried them a lot and to me if you look at the full season sure San Francisco minus two looks cheap but to me if you really look at the recent form since Christmas Day I think you've got a San Francisco team that's kind of went this way and a Kansas City team that's kind of went this way on the upward trajectory. So the bottom line for me is I've ended up landing on taking the Kansas city chiefs here. And I knew right away, I was probably going to be on that side. So what I did was I took plus three with Kansas city right after Trevor, the conference championship games ended uh, the final Sunday of January. Cause I figured the line might trickle down a little bit. And sure enough, it did. It went down to as low as one and a half and now it's settled in at two. So got a good number early with Kansas city, but look, the numbers are there. What is he now as an underdog, Patrick Mahomes, in his NFL career? 10-1-1 against the spread. Incredible. 8-3, or sorry, 9-3 straight up. So he's won 9 of those 12 games as an underdog outright. 10-1-1 ATS as an underdog in his NFL career. He's 14-3 straight up in the playoffs in his career, Trevor. And and let me go through the three losses, because I've done this on another show this week. You'll like this. Three losses. If you look at the three losses, The first one was Tom Brady and New England in Patrick Mahomes' rookie year, the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead. It was a classic. It was back and forth. Patriots won in overtime, but he did enough to win that game. It was a good offensive performance. The second loss for Mahomes was the Super Bowl, once again against Tom Brady when he was with Tampa Bay, uh, and the Bucs won that Super Bowl. But if you remember, yes, it wasn't a good game for the offense, I don't know if you can blame Mahomes, Trevor. The offensive line in that game was ravaged, and I mean ravaged by injuries for Kansas City. I mean, they were starting third, fourth-string linemen in some cases. I mean, I think they had to sign a a player or two the week before the Super Bowl because they were so decimated and depleted on the offensive line. And when you played Tampa Bay, and at that time, their front seven was formidable. You didn't want anything to do with them. And I think that ended up being a big problem for Kansas City in that game. So that was Patrick's second playoff loss. The third playoff loss uh, that he suffered was one game where I think you can say, you know what, Patrick? First loss was against Tom and the Patriots, and you still put up, I think, over 30 points in that game. Tampa lost in the Super Bowl. Your offensive line was depleted. The third loss is the one where you can say, you know what, Patrick? Not your best day, especially the second half of the loss to Joe Burrow and Cincinnati in that AFC championship game. He just didn't have a good half. So really, when you look at it, Trevor, he's 14-3 and three in the playoffs. You make a valid argument that the guy has had one bad half of playoff football in those three losses, and that was the loss to Burrow and the Bengals in the AFC championship game. That is a damn hard track record for me to go against. Andy Reid off with the extra time to prepare. I believe the record for him is like 37-9 and nine or 37-10. and 10 when he has an extra week to prepare, so more than a week to prepare for a football game. Um, so I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs here. Now, I hope I'm not one of these people that's a turncoat here who decided, you know, we'll take Buffalo and Baltimore the last two weeks against Kansas City, and only now I'm drinking the Kool-Aid and learning my lesson 
to maybe jump on the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes here, but I just feel in the shorter term, they have looked really solid. Now, they have some concerns. Omena, who uh, being out is concerning. We'll have to see if Willie Gay plays on that defensive side for Kansas City. He's a significant piece, but I'm going to go with Kansas City here in this game. Plus two, the proven commodity, and there's a lot of pressure on Shanahan here. Uh, in this spot. Shanahan lost in the Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator with Atlanta under Dan Quinn when New England pulled that comeback, and he lost already once head-to-head to Andy Reid and the Chiefs a few years ago when Jimmy G was his quarterback. And they had a 20-10 to lead in the fourth quarter, Trevor, San Francisco, and they lost. Couldn't hold it, and it was all Chiefs in the fourth quarter. Couldn't close that game either. So closing the deal, especially in the big game, that's got to be that. That's got to be the biggest question you have about the 49ers and especially about Kyle Shanahan. Uh, what do you think about that, Trevor? Everything I just said. I know I started rambling, but what do you think? Yeah, a lot to unpack there. Um, <clears throat> first, uh, the Dan Campbell conversation um, with you know him, you know, making those gambles. It was an interesting thing to to talk about because that's what he's done all year, and that's what's made that team so great is that you know they they're gonna. They're going to drop, you know, drop their set and, and, and play ball. They're going to take chances. And I saw something that said Dan Campbell's the type of dude to, to get 18 in blackjack and say, hit me. You know, that's just kind of what he is. You know? but, uh, there's actually a meme out there on it showing him doing that. Show it, you know yeah. what? There's a hilarious one. Everybody knows Price is right. Legendary. 95 cents. I'm going to spin. 95 cents he's going to spin. I'll spin. He's not going to stay put at 95 He's going to try to get that five to get exactly one dollar on the on the on the on the showcase showdown on spin the wheel there. That's hilarious. But that's what that's why his players love him. You know, yeah. is he has their back. And after the game, he stood there and said, "That's what I that's what I did. I made the decision." And his players all had his back. You can tell those guys that fract- that locker room is not fractured. Uh, but I'm on the same same wavelength as you in this game. I watched San Francisco play uh, Green Bay uh, and struggle. Uh, you know, Jordan Love doesn't throw two picks in the fourth quarter and maybe Green Bay wins that game. Um, and then they go play Detroit, both of them at home. And frankly, they probably should have lost that game as well. But I'm not going to put anything past Kyle Shanahan because he is a mastermind. He is a genius. Absolutely incredible to watch. But then you watch Kansas City, who just beat Baltimore. And now, mind you, the transitive property is not like a real thing in pro football. But Baltimore went to San Francisco and absolutely manhandled them on Christmas. And Kansas City just went to Baltimore and won. And to think that they're an underdog is kind of a little perplexing to me at this point, because I would think, you know, Kansas City wins this game straight up. Uh, But obviously, you know, football, the ball can bounce anyway. You know, a number of turnovers, penalties, explosive plays are going to really determine the outcome of this game. Um, but I'm more on the line of if if I'm in a situation, who do I trust more? Do I trust, you know, Brock Purdy and the weapons that he has? Because uh, he's done an outstanding job. He's more than a game manager. Or do I do I trust Patrick Mahomes, who throughout the season we talked about the drops. You talked about the drops. It was in the in the biggest moments that those things happened too. And it wasn't just in moments in the first quarter, you know, it was second seven. It was third and five. They need to move the chains. Fourth and three, they need to move the chains. And Travis Kelsey was even a part of those drops to some point this year. And so to say he's had an uneven year, I agree. Um, but he's still backing himself up. upside the head a couple of times over those drops, too. I would see him do yeah. it, like doing that yeah. like thing. Yeah. And I mean, and you're talking the best, one of the best two tight ends ever. And you know, those guys have learned through this process and you've watched in the playoffs. I haven't seen them drop a single pass, any of those guys. And they've made some really tough catches on moments and really helped out and bailed out Mahomes in a couple situations. And so to the me, back think- shoulder timing throw that Mahomes gave him in, for the first touchdown against Baltimore in the AFC championship. That's just a timing and rhythm and chemistry and years of working together. It's almost like that magic it took to the playoffs starting for that them to get that connection back again. Yeah, and it was actually even a low back shoulder. He kind of reached back and down and caught that pass. So it was those guys are locked in. And uh, I think there's something to this could be Andy Reid's final game as well. And I heard a rumor that the enemy is actually helping Kansas City out in preparation. It makes me wonder, is he the next guy in Kansas City? Uh, are they working in that, on that transition? And, and they ask Andy Reid. It's not this a bad thought, especially game. because Washington's let him go now after they brought in Quinn as the yeah. uh, head coach, Dan Quinn. And next thing you know, and during Quinn's press conference, he said right to the media that, yeah, we're not retaining Eric Bieniemy. It's not going to yeah. be part of the new coaching staff. So he's a free Plus agent. Kingsbury. Right yep. 
Cliff Kingsbury tells you they're wanting to go get Caleb Williams and, you know, have yeah. some familiarity there. But anyway, we're off course. Um, I think, you know, the enemy helping out there. I think there could be some motivation on the Kansas City side to send Andy Reid out how he deserves to be out because the years that he had in Philadelphia, he was absolutely tremendous, making it to four conference championships in a row, making it to one Super Bowl, falling short. And now that he's in Kansas City, uh, he's done nothing but just excel there, regardless of who's been under center. Now that he has Patrick Mahomes, it's obviously been upticked and uh, really one of the great coaches of all time. And so you wonder if the motivation factor is there for Kansas City to send uh, Andy Reid out the proper way. No doubt they want to. And you know what? They got to send him. They got to, they've got to, when they send, give him the Super Bowl, if he were to retire, give him a lifetime. If I'm Arrowhead and I'm the Hunt family, the legendary family that, of course, has owned the team forever, I give Andy Reid on a retirement gift and he'll love it because he's professed his love for this food item. You give him a lifetime supply of burgers or something. You give him that. He loves his burgers, uh, Andy Reid. That's exactly what you do. You, you send him out right. You give that man what he wants because he's done a lot for this franchise. Uh, and the players love him, and he's done obviously a great job. But I think there's some truth to that. I think where there's smoke, there's fire about this whole Andy Reid retirement, you know, scuttlebutt that you're starting to hear. Uh, it's heating up, you know, that this could happen. And I think absolutely, if they win this game, I think that even strengthens the chance that we see Andy Reid maybe retire, go out with a second championship here uh, with the uh, Kansas City uh, Chiefs. So uh, there's no question about that. Uh, it would be uh, something else to uh, see them. Uh, you know, see him go out with another uh, Super Bowl uh, title. But I think there's definitely some truth to that, you know, that it could end up happening. And uh, like I say, maybe, that's not a bad little theory that you have to be enemies now available, that maybe they'd be able to bring him in uh, and be able to have him take over, obviously, uh, as the uh, head coach. I should say third Super Bowl under uh, Andy Reid. They've won two, of course, 2019, 2022. This would be the third a Super Bowl for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs if they win it. So that's the side. I'll be honest. I'm not going to talk much, Trevor, about the total uh, for this game. 47. It's tricky. This is more of a thing where I, I don't like betting Super Bowls under. I'll just be honest. I don't like betting Super Bowls <laughs> under. I don't like betting many football games or many sporting events, for that matter, under. For anyone that knows me, I've rarely bet unders. But there is some pause here because sometimes the Super Bowl does start slow. And then the scoring does pick up. I mean, last year I was on the over and I really felt strong about it. This total, I don't feel as strong. And of course, last year it was an epic shootout back and forth between Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes with the Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl. It was absolutely outstanding, uh, that game back and forth. This one, here's the thing. If you think efficiency trumps pace, bet over. If you think pace trumps efficiency, bet under. Mm. And let me explain that. Efficiency as in, if these teams, if this game is going to go over the total, you got to have some red zone efficiency. You got to have both of these offenses being able to put in touchdowns inside the twenty, not settle for field goals. And these are pretty good kickers. Butker for Kansas City is excellent. Jake Moody's had a pretty good year overall for a rookie out of Michigan for uh, San Francisco. But these two teams do not hustle down the field. They bleed the play clock. They're not in a rush to get to the line of scrimmage to snap the next play. And it's a lot of dink and dunk throwing the ball, short to intermediate. They're, Kansas City's not stretching the field with a big downfield explosive passing game like they did maybe earlier in Mahomes' career. And they run the football, both teams. They, the, both teams make it a proponent to run the football. Kansas City with Pacheco and, of course, San Francisco with run CMC, uh, Christian McCaffrey. So when you look at this situation, you're going to see six, seven, eight-minute drives, Trevor. And if you're, you're betting right. over, that's not what that's not a good thing. Uh, if you're betting over, when you're seeing six, seven, and eight minute drives, and you're probably going to see a lot of them in this game. So what you're going to hope for if you if you're on the over is you're going to have to hope for even in these six, seven, eight minute time consuming drives, you get a high degree of efficiency, and you get these teams finishing these drives with touchdowns. The worst thing in the world for someone on an over, and I've been here and I've suffered through it with some of my losses, is you're on an over. This team is just bleeding the clock, and they're putting together a great drive. Six, seven, eight-minute drive even in some cases. Even nine once in a while, nine-minute drive. They get to like the five-yard line. They get to third and goal, incomplete pass, and they kick a field goal. And there's nine minutes off the clock and only three points on the scoreboard. That's where it's in tough. So to me, my advice with the total is if you think these teams in the offensively 
will have a high level of offensive efficiency, red zone efficiency, finish their drives with touchdowns, bet over. And if you don't think that's going to be the case, if you think these two red zone defenses are going to step up and keep these teams out of the end zone more often than not, bet under. I think that's what this total ha- totals handicap in this game comes down to. Yep. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm of the, the mindset of in a game like this, I think you see a slow start and I think you see a second half uh, surge of points. That's a normal go-to prop for me every year in the Super Bowl, Trevor. It's second half higher scoring than the first half, and you can usually get minus 110, minus 120 on it. Yeah, and a lot of times I think the reason you get that is early on in games, you're going to see defenses giving different looks to teams, maybe things that they haven't seen all year, just a couple different wrinkles here and there to maybe get a blitzer free or to uh, you know get a six-man pressure where they you know eat up the back and are able to get a blitzer free in the front side A gap or B gap or whatever it may be. And then by the second half, they've rather back to adjusted to who they are and the offense is prepared for that or they've adjusted to the slight wrinkles in the, in the game plan. And something else that you can also do in situations like that is you could see early on in the game, San Francisco or Kansas City use a little bit of tempo uh, to offset that so they can't get set and get in their new calls and new looks and wrinkles that they want to do. And so uh, I'm always torn with um, going into big games like this if you're going to see that wrinkle of pushing the pace. But these teams, like you said, are not those type of teams. They really like to bleed the clock. They like to stay on the field and have a great offensive defense by keeping their defense off the field and keeping the offense on the field is kind of one of their mindsets. No doubt. All right, the fun part of the show, man, player props. Everybody loves their player props when it comes to the Super Bowl. I bet them all year. Anyone that receives my emails all year long, uh, you see that I bet player props all season. Every Sunday, Monday night football, you name it. But obviously, there's an even greater array of player props available for the Super Bowl itself. And there's a lot of great opportunities here as far as player props. So we'll start with some... Kansas City uh, player props that when I look at it here, um, I think still it's worth a look, and that is Travis Kelsey here uh, for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I did hit the over receiving yards with him last week or in the AFC Championship against Baltimore. And if you remember back to last year, two years ago, you'd see Kelsey's receiving yards prop in the 85-90 range. You're still only getting it at 70 and a half here, and it was in the 60s. It was 62 and a half, I believe, against Baltimore. You've seen a reduction in the number, Trevor, because he just hasn't been as productive throughout the entirety of the season. But he's turned it on in the play, in, in the uh, playoffs. He's getting that connection back with Mahomes. And I'm not sure, you know, that the deep threat is going to be there consistently, even though the 49ers have given up some passing plays. Maybe this is a game Rashi Rice and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and some of the more vertical receiving options and weapons for the Chiefs go off. But Mr. Reliable is there. And I still can't see Mahomes going away from him. So the over 70 and a half receiving yards for uh, Kelsey, uh, I'm interested in here. Uh, There's someone that I'm interested in, too, because I think on the other side, San Francisco, Purdy will look for Kittle quite a bit. There is a little bit of a vulnerability at times with the tight end spot, really for both teams. You know, I could see both teams, you know, having success with uh, tight ends in this game. But Nick Bolton, I think, could be very active. So if you can find Nick Bolton for Kansas City, he's a very good player. You know, seven and a half assisted and solo tackles over seven and a half. I think he's going to be in on a lot of the defensive stops here for the Chiefs on that side of the football here. The middle of the field, that's the ground that he covers. And I think that's definitely uh, what you might see here in this game. As far as Patrick Mahomes, I'd be tempted to actually believe it or not with him as far as his pass attempts in this game, because unless they really fall behind by a big margin, and I don't think that's going to happen. This might be an under 36 and a half for Mahomes pass attempts because I really think they're going to incorporate Pacheco a lot. And I like Pacheco over rushing and receiving yards combined. One thing about San Francisco, they've struggled against running backs out of the backfield, catching the football. That has been a little bit of a vulnerability for San Francisco's defense. That's why if I bet Pacheco props, Trevor, in this game, I want the receiving yards component to be part of my bet. I want that to be involved in it. So over rushing and receiving yards for Pacheco is something I like quite a bit. I mentioned Kelsey. 
I like Rasheed Rice's touchdown prop value because I think he is the one guy that definitely I could see finding the end zone. You know, I'd probably like the touchdown prop at what plus one fifty, a very good price compared to his receiving yards because I'm not sure he could have like thirty eight receiving yards for the game but score a touchdown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas his receiving yards closer to fifty or sixty. I'm not. He's going to be close to that number. I'm not sure he goes over, but I like his um, touchdown prop uh, here in this game. Uh, for the um, Kansas City Chiefs here and Rashi Rice, who to me, the kid out of SMU has been uh, a really nice story for them because his receiving yards prop here is around 65 and a half. I'm not sold he goes over that, quite honestly, but I do think he can find the end zone. So I like that plus 150. And the last one that really stands out to me on the Kansas City side is Mahomes over rushing yards. You know, for him to make plays with his feet, this is the Super Bowl after all. Ankle spine. Though, yeah. And even though the 49ers defensive front with Bosa and company, the ability to flush the quarterback out of the pocket, it's the biggest game of the season. You don't hold anything back. Not that Patrick Mahomes ever does hold anything back. But you know what I mean? If you have a chance to pick up the first down with your legs as opposed to forcing something that isn't there, he'll do it. So over 24 and a half rushing yards here for Patrick Mahomes. I think he can eclipse that. So uh, I saw the other day I was Instagram like reeling real scrolling and uh i saw that he was part of the one of the worst beats in all of sports betting a couple years ago in the super bowl when he took three knees for a minus 15 yards that's the concern that's and actually my buddy yeah. my buddy is a big gambler and he kind of runs his bets by me and i kind of just like chat with him football wise just kind of like this because i'm not a gambler but but uh, he he actually had mahomes rushing yards for that game and he's like scarred for life with it. So he he refuses to bet Mahomes' rushing prop just because of that game. But uh, I tend to agree with you. I think Mahomes even had some really good key rushing yards last year in the Super Bowl. And he had that high ankle sprain uh, that was really, really bothering him. And so that would be one I would actually be tempted into looking into. Because when, uh, when teams are kind of, you know, have game plans for you, a lot of times they might start trying to play two-man or dare the quarterback to run uh, because he's so lethal with his arm. But... I think that could be one, and I think Pacheco, I think they're going to really try and establish the run against this defense to come downhill, be physical, show that they're not nervous to run to that front and not let them pin their ears back and just get put their best pass rush, pass rush moves on and put the pressure on Mahomes. I think they're really going to try and establish that run early. Like we had talked about, they like to bleed the clock out. Um, I don't know what Kelsey's – what's his uh, receptions total? Because to me, his, his ideal of getting over or under in his – receiving props is how much he's going to run after the catch but i do think he gets targeted Over six and a half is minus 150 that's about what you're looking at for kelsey receptions yeah. i feel like he's going to have seven or eight catches in the yeah. game for sure oh yeah i feel like that would be a an easy not an easy one but something that i feel like could could easily go over and you could even have probably five catches in the first first half sort of a feel and uh let's see pacheco i think he's a guy that is going to establish the run game early uh, touchdown props, I'm sure Christian McCaffrey cannot be an easy bet to make, but the guy's going to score a touchdown. Hasn't he scored a touchdown in every game but one or two since he's been in San Francisco? That's been the streak, yeah. The problem is, do you want to risk mine, Do you want to risk $230 to win $100? Because that's what you got to do, minus 230 Man, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's It's got to be a parlay piece if you're going to bet it. That's yeah. what you got to do with that. Okay, yeah, combine it with another bet, uh, parlay, right? Yeah. Sorry, I'm not up with the lingo, but yeah, that makes well, sense. The uh, funny thing about Trevor is, you know, obviously he uh, doesn't bet NFL, but he's always interested in how things are going with my bets. He's very, he is. He's Dude. like, he's like, how did you do? How did you do? So I, I appreciate live vicariously that. through you. He cares about my <laughs> bank account. That's good. <laughs> I do. I live vicariously through you, and uh, I just, am, I just, I, I have just the just the house here, the wife and kids, and just try and just stay away from it. But uh, it's it's fun stuff to look at for sure to see what you would have done and. You know, you always have like the little handshake bets with your with your family or friends and stuff, yep. and those are always fun to do. But um, I I think I'd still I think I'd still roll the dice and bet that on with McCaffrey. I think it's you know almost a certainty. It seems like he's going to score, and maybe even two scores. You know, I'm sure the odds on him scoring two touchdowns might even be something of that nature. And so uh, that would be one that I would that I would really take a look into. And um, I'm trying to think what other ones we just spoke about. Mahomes is rushing yards, Pacheco, Kelsey. On the other side of the ball, um, I don't don't know that Purdy is going to throw for a ton of yards in this game. 
Um, I'm not sure what his passing prop is. Even Mahomes, Trevor, is 262.5, I believe, his passing yards. He went under that in both games against Buffalo and Baltimore. Even though they won, their offense looked really good, especially the Buffalo game start to finish. It looked good. The second half, the Ravens defense did play pretty well. They kind of shut down Kansas City the second half. But it's worth noting, Patrick Mahomes has not gone over his uh, passing yards number. Uh, in each of the last two games. And I think both teams are going to be incorporating the ground game a lot, quite a bit yeah. in this game. So I'm wondering if maybe both quarterbacks, not just Mahomes, but not just Purdy, but Mahomes as well. I certainly think Purdy on under passing yards, you know, might be a good look here because he's going to be leaning on his own legs probably because we saw it against Detroit and Green okay. Bay, a couple of huge, critical huge. Trevor, third down run. runs by him to keep drives going. And yeah. get key first downs for San Francisco. Rely on McCaffrey. Uh, I'm wondering if he stays under passing yards. I think he definitely could. And I definitely think Mahomes even at 262.5 could stay under that number because I think Pacheco and McCaffrey are involved early and often on both sides. Yeah, and I think uh, it's it's one of those situations where Mahomes really hasn't had that explosive pass game, game after game, since Tyreek Hill has left. And he's managed to, you know, adjust his game like all the great ones have. And uh, but he's, you know, making making headway with his legs. They're using Pacheco in the pass game a little bit more, which is why I, I tend to agree with you on the uh, the props for over for his rushing and receiving total. I think that would be a fun one to look at. But I wouldn't I wouldn't go all in on a Mahomes under because he could easily hit MVS down the sideline. And, and I'll tell you, I think MVS does have an explosive pass player too in this game. And so I think that would be one I would actually look into. I'm not sure what his yardage is. It probably isn't going to be a lot, but I do think he's going to catch a dig or a go route or a corner of some sort. They're going to try and get him over the top, and I think he's going to have an explosive catch or two in this game. And I'm not just saying this because I'm on Kansas City, but I do really endorse Purdy under, I believe the current number with Purdy with the passing yards is under 240. It's dropped a little bit. I think it's down to 248 and a half now his current passing yards number. I think he can stay under that. Here's what I see. And let's be real. As much as I like Kansas City in this game, they got helped out a little bit in the win against Baltimore by just, to me, asinine, unthinkable, numb nuts play calling and game planning on offense by Baltimore. uh, In that, I'm just going to flat out say it. I thought it was a disgraceful display by Todd Munkin. I have, was this guy was this guy higher on drugs going into this AFC champion? I had to ask myself that honestly, from a play calling standpoint. You have this gifted athlete in Lamar Jackson at quarterback. We know he's got an incredible ability running the ball. We know he's still progressing as a pocket passer, but that's not his game. That's not the strength of his game. You've got a great running back group. You know, multiple backs who can beat you. You've got an offensive line that is built to run the football. It is it graded out by pro football focus and all these football analytic sites, Trevor, as an elite run blocking offensive line, the Baltimore Ravens. And yet they didn't play into that at all in that game. Mm. I cannot believe the game plan that puts Lamar Jackson in a spot to throw the ball almost 40 fucking times in that game. And they only run the ball like barely 15 between Jackson and the running backs combined. That was the ratio we were looking at, 36 pass attempts to 15 rush attempts. And that was not a game, Trevor, where Baltimore's down by three touchdowns. They were never trailing by more than 10 points. There was no reason not to commit to the strength of your offense running the football more than you did. By the way, against a Kansas City defense that was ranked 28th in EPA per play against the run this year, 28th in the National Football League. And yet we did not see... Baltimore attack that run defense, the presumed vulnerability of the Chiefs defense in that game. And it came back to haunt them. It absolutely came back to haunt them. I don't know what the thought process was, but it was the wrong thought process that they got away from what worked for them all season long. And they tried to make Lamar Jackson into Joe Montana in that game, Mm -hmm. throwing the football left and right. And it was a game plan that did not fit your scheme. It didn't fit your personnel. And it certainly didn't take advantage of the matchup, which was the weakness of that Kansas City defense, Trevor, which is the run defense. I love their pass defense, Kansas City. I do. I love it. I like LeJarius Sneed. He's great. And how about McDuffie? 
How about the way this guy's come on like a freight train this season at the other corner spot for Kansas City? He's been amazing. He's good luck trying to throw the ball on those two guys. They've been great. And Shanahan, say what you will about his faults in winning the big game and San Francisco looking lackluster. I guarantee you he's not sleeping on what we saw with Baltimore there. He knows that they made a big-time mistake not running the football as much as they did, or not running the football uh, as much as they should have. He ain't going to make that mistake. So for my props with San Francisco, Trevor, Brock Purdy under passing yards, and this is a Christian McCaffrey game for me. I like over rushing and receiving yards for Christian McCaffrey here. It's a big number. It's 128.5 for over rushing and receiving yards. But he ain't going to be a fool like Todd Munkin there. Uh, in Baltimore, Shanahan, attack the weakness of Kansas City's defense, which is uh, run, which is their run defense, and especially between the tackles running. And that is where McCaffrey is just so special. You know, he's just so a tough physical runner, bounces. A, he's a very, you know, he's very hard to bring down. And I think Christian McCaffrey gets fed early, gets fed often in this offense on Sunday. So I like his over rushing and receiving yards, 128 and a half. And actually, I'd go one step further too, Trevor. His rushing attempts are at 18 and a half. He'll oh, probably yeah. have 19 plus uh, in this oh, game. I think he has 20 sure. carries There's in no this doubt. game. They're not going to be Baltimore stupid. Sorry, they're so not going to be go that. You go get Christian McCaffrey for games like this. Yeah. Here's a stat for you too. Uh, you know who uh, has the fewest pass attempts in the NFL of all teams? It's attempts. It's the San Francisco 49. Yeah. Do you know who leads the NFL in explosive pass plays? On defense, KC. Yeah. Who like, like offensive pass plays, explosive pass plays, who leads the NFL in most explosive pass plays? It's the San Francisco 49ers. So they yep. throw the ball the least, but they have the most explosive pass plays in the NFL. Why is that? They throw just barely beyond the line of scrimmage, and they've got all these <clears throat> incredible playmakers in space. There you go. And they, but they generate openings and get people catching runs per your, per what you just said, because they run the ball so effectively. They're so great and effective in the play action game and getting people to stuff the box. Just like we talk guys open. That's exactly. They scheme their guys open and Brock Purdy does a tremendous job of anticipating and those sorts of things. And so I think that it could be a situation where early in the game, you see some explosive pass plays from San Francisco but it's just a matter of do they come out and establish Christian McCaffrey early to set that up later in the game, or do they set up Christian McCaffrey running it down their throat 20, 24, 25 times of this game? Because you know you pay Christian McCaffrey, you'll get him four games like this so that, hey, you're going to get 25 carries. You're our best player, even though we have George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuel. You are our guy. You're going to go out and lead this team. And that could be an interesting prop bet for Christian McCaffrey uh, Super Bowl MVP, because if they win, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be the MVP. And I do think if you can get Kelsey's, I don't know what his touchdown prop would be. Mahomes has thrown three touchdown passes, and all through all of them been to Travis Kelsey this uh, this playoffs. And so I think that he would be a guy that is plus even money on Kelsey touchdown. Yeah, might be a good might be a good one to bet there. Yeah, well, no, I, I definitely think. Uh, look, considering McCaffrey is so thought of to score in this game. I think Kelsey should be right up there too. And the difference is you got to lay minus 250 with McCaffrey or minus 230. You can only, you can get plus a hundred on Kelsey, you know, huge difference uh, as far as the pricing goes. Uh, We will wrap up Trevor. I know you got to run, but we'll wrap up in about five minutes or so. I just a couple last things, Cisco, as far as props. And if, by the way, if you're tuning into Ian Cameron's football frenzy here and you want me to break down the national anthem props and the color of the Gatorade props, it's the wrong show for you. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to tell you right now with that. <laughs> I'm not putting a dime on that crap unless I've got inside intel and knowledge of what's going on, and I don't. And even then, I don't know if I'd be rushing to bet the Gatorade props and, the, you know, the novelty props that everyone loves to get into as far as the Super Bowl. I'm keeping it football, man. <laughs> Give me my football props. That's what I want. That's what I'm interested in, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I know, I know. Some people have bet on the coin toss, and yeah. that stuff is that stuff's wild. Or what's the first play of the game going to be a run or a pass, and those sorts of things. It's funny to mention that there's one that piqued my interest as far as like the first pass of the game for Purdy. You can get incomplete pass for Brock Purdy for his first pass attempt to be an incomplete pass at like plus two hundred. I don't. I think that's actually not bad for Super Bowl. 
It's just a young guy. It's his first full season as a starting quarterback. Remember, he only became the starter, you know, midway through last season. This is his first full season as a starter. First Super Bowl, big stage, first pat, maybe little jitters, little butterflies in the stomach. Maybe you sail one. Maybe you just maybe force one that isn't there. It's just your first pass. You know, the adrenaline's just coursing through your veins at that moment. And maybe you just don't make one of your better throws and it goes incomplete. So I don't think that's a crazy bet. Brock Purdy, yeah. first pass attempt, incomplete, plus 200. Could get it. Could happen. He yeah, I think it. so. Just yeah, given the nature. Like if, yeah. if you were in his shoes, not, not saying you'd be feeling the same emotions as he, you're different human beings, of course, and all that. But if you were on this stage for the very first time, you'd have a little – uh, a little uh, butterflies in the very beginning, taking that huddle for the first time, getting ready to make your first pass attempt. Would you be confident that would be your best pass of the night, your first pass of the night, and your first Super Bowl? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know that because um, sometimes you know going into games, I just I, I tell coordinators I'm like I want to I want to shoot the ball down the field first play of the game. Let's go throw it over their head, and it could be a situation where you know maybe he wants to get the jitters out and go let one loose down the field. But also Shanahan could be smart enough to say, hey, we're going to get you in the game. Quick, we're going to get you a quick screen, get him something easy, get a ball out of his hands, see a completion. Um, that would be one, personally, I would stay away from, but just because you don't know what the pass play is going to be. But I do, yeah, with the numbers like that, you might as well, you could roll the dice. Yeah, and uh, that just from a value standpoint, like if it was a, a price that was not like closer to even money or even a smaller uh, plus price, and that probably wouldn't be interested. Oh, Brock Purdy, too, under one and a half passing touchdowns. I think that is worth a look. I don't think he's ex consistently exceeded, you know, I don't think he's consistently gotten to two or more passing touchdowns as of late. You know, he's had a lot of one-touch passing touchdown games. Remember, this is a team that's going to run the football, too, in the red zone when they get down by the goal line. So that Brock Purdy under one-and-a-half passing touchdowns could be a good look. And I'll throw one more out there on the Niners' side. It, this is more of a gut feel. It's not like he's been, a, a, you know, um, a ton of production from him for the entirety of the season. But all of a sudden we saw this man resurface a little bit in some goal line red zone packages for San Francisco on offense against Detroit in the NFC championship. And he nearly scored a touchdown on one of those plays. And sure enough, go look at the Super Bowl that they played with Shanahan and the Niners against Kansas City a few years ago. And you'll see in the box score. And if you rewatch that Super Bowl that the Chiefs beat the Niners, but one of the San Francisco San Francisco touchdowns, this guy found the end zone, and I think the value is too good to pass up. I'm talking about the big guy, the fullback, who is uh, flaunting his stuff, uh, you know, uh, with uh, Christian McCaffrey on the field uh, during a practice last week. Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, the juice, the juice man, San Francisco 49ers. His touchdown prop in this Super Bowl is ten to one, plus one thousand. Uh, at BetMGM, plus a thousand for him to find the end zone. Remember, Shanahan somehow schemed up an offense to get him the ball down by the goal line against the Chiefs in the last Super Bowl when they played Kansas City, and he nearly got a touchdown against Detroit. He got tackled like at the four yard line against the Lions just a couple weeks ago. I think it's worth a look. I think somehow he's going to get use check involved uh, in this game, especially in the red zone. So plus a thousand for him to score a touchdown. You could go uh, just to catch one pass. You know, it's a big price, minus 152. But just to have one reception, I think it's worth a look. The receiving yards for check is over two and a half, minus 112. So you could get one catch for four yards. You know, you can't cash the reception. You cash the over receiving yards. And hell, it might be down by the goal line. Maybe you'll cash the touchdown <laughs> into one. So it's just a feel for me, Trevor, that Kyle check is going to be involved here. I love that. I love that. They love to get him involved, and he is kind of the queen on the chessboard for them. And he could line up at tight end, at, at split end, at uh, wide receiver, at, at running back, get a carry from fullback. He can. He does it all. Very yeah. underrated piece. I was really sad when the uh, uh, Cincinnati Bengals uh, let him walk. Yeah, Swiss Army knife kind of uh, player on the offensive side of the football for sure for the um, uh, San Francisco 49ers, but uh, I just thought it, that it was definitely uh, worth a look. I think for the most part, that is uh, a lot of what I, um, I'm liking early uh, as far as the uh, props. There's still a bunch that I haven't bought. Well, Kittle, too. I, I, I definitely think when you look at this, Kittle, the one thing, too, is, look, Steve Spagnuolo will blitz. 
Steve Spagnola will do that from time to time. He's an excellent defensive coordinator. He's, he's his reputation. It's gotten even stronger with the performance of this Kansas City defense this year. The one thing he will do is he will bring some pressure. Uh, you know, so that's going to be interesting, and that means that's where Kittle is going to get involved. I think more with those short to intermediate routes, and plus the thing too that uh, makes me think Kittle might have a bounce back game. As I like to say in the other shows, here Kittle, Kittle, Kittle. I was like the old kid here, Kitty, Kitty. I always do that with uh, Kittle. But uh, over uh, receiving yards, I think for George Kittle, uh, worth a look here. I think because he's going to be a lot more in the short to intermediate variety. And what I like too is usually when Kittle has a quiet game in the receiving game, like he had against Detroit, he has a much better one the next time out. So I think he could see that as well here for the Niners. See Kittle get involved. I think it's splitting hairs with Ayuk and Samuel. You know, Samuel will get all the attention from the betters because he's Debo Samuel. He's been amazing. But don't sleep on Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk has been very, very good and consistent most of the year for the 49ers uh, as well. But like I said, don't go too heavy on the receiving props to me for the Niners. Don't go with too many of them because I think the run game still is going to be a very big component of the Niners and their success. Man alive, this was awesome, Trevor, talking Super Bowl, talking the 49ers Chiefs. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully everyone tuning into Ian Cameron's Football Frenzy enjoyed it. But before we get on out of here, Trevor, your final uh, final pick, if you will, for the Super Bowl. Let's hear it. Is there a prop for Taylor Swift? How many times she's going to be on there? <laughs> I'm sure there will. I just haven't seen it or bothered to check for it. Um, I think I I think I'd lean Chiefs money line would be would be the best one just because I I just feel like they're destined to win this thing especially with Andy Reid going out. Um, that would be that would be my final one that I would say I think the Chiefs are going to win this thing outright. There you go, uh, Trevor Harris's uh, final pick selection: Kansas City Chiefs to win their third Super Bowl in the Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes era. And I guess I should ask you too, since you're picking Kansas City. Is this Big Red's final game on the sideline as head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid? I think so. I think this is it for him, especially if they win. Uh, but part of most of me is pulling for the 49ers because uh, a friend of mine, Eric Harris, who played in the CFL, played against him in college at Cal PA. Um, he plays for the 49ers. Uh, tremendous, tremendous man, man yeah. of God. And uh, really love that guy. I actually uh, messaged back and forth with him on Instagram the other day and uh, – bought some of his apparel it's really really amazing uh thing he's got and uh just a great great human being so i'll be rooting for him especially with the cfl ties the psac ties from college and uh just a good man so rooting for the niners but i think the the chiefs are gonna win absolutely there you go kansas city and i agree uh, as well as i mentioned earlier i'm already on kansas city plus three i bet it right after the conference championship games ended Plus two, I still endorse that right now uh, as well. Uh, you, uh, Trevor Harris talking about Eric Harris, a uh, great man. There's a lot of great people uh, in the CFL. My association with the CFL I've gotten to speak and talk to so many of the players are just great human beings. Not only they're good players, but good people too off the football field. And I can vouch for this guy. He is another great person off the football field. Uh, Trevor Harris joining me here as my special guest on Ian Cameron's Football Frenzy. I'm telling you what, Trevor. Before we sign off, we got to say it. Countdown's on, man. Tick, 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 tick. I mean, we are four months away from the start of another CFL season. I mean, the early part of June will be here before you know it. Our training camp in mid-May will be here before you know it. Whatever our win total is, take the over. There you go. I, no bias in that opinion either. None at all none, whatsoever. None. none at all. He's calling that right down the middle there. Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders over their win total. Do you want to double down and say win the West, win the Grey Cup too while you're at it? <laughs> Might as well. I mean, even if the win total is 15, take the over. I don't even, I don't care. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing. Obviously, don't endorse betting. Do whatever you feel. Just make sure you're very smart with your money. Uh, make sure that you can only only gamble what you could afford to lose. Uh, 100%. Be very intelligent. Yeah. Um, as you know, I, there's a lot of people that have trouble with this. So be intelligent with it, but make sure you keep it fun. Um, nothing that's going to make you go crazy. As I know, my man Ian has uh, probably vouched and told you guys plenty of times. Yeah, I still go crazy over it, but not for those reasons that you're uh, in financial dire You go straight. crazy because of your yeah. passion. Now, that's passion. why I love it. Seeing things that frustrate you, seeing coaches do stupid things, players do stupid things uh, when you've got money involved. That's what will bother you. Uh, yeah. That's what gets to me. But 
man, this was awesome. Great to uh, have Trevor Harris joining us here. A guy with uh, obviously a big time football background. So good uh, person to uh, join us here and talk a little Super Bowl. Thank you to everyone, of course, for tuning in. Make sure you hit the like button on the way out. Appreciate it very much. This is it for another season of Ian Cameron's Football Frenzy. But I'll be back right before the beginning of the CFL season. As we, we usually go June to February throughout the CFL and the NFL season. So looking forward to another season of Ian Cameron's Football Frenzy. For our special guest, CFL quarterback Trevor Harris. I'm Ian Cameron. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday. Enjoy the game. Good luck with your wagers. And thanks for joining me all season long once again for another season of Ian Cameron's Football Frenzy.